now beginning transmission 82. Before Vendetta. File under November holidays. This week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Episode ハードラーズリッドパスティファンダイヤガーダッツサムタンサーチリンズカミングオーバーデフレッシュおいですイズデショーアドラーズリッドパスティファンダイヤガーダッツサムタンサーチリンズカミングオーバーデフレッシュお
I ended up going back and buying. I spent almost all the money I spent at Comic Con was at his table, um, which was pretty great. So, but he was super, super cool. So yes, please go follow him. And in hindsight, he's great. Yeah, I wish I would have actually found out like a day earlier because I would have. I, it would just been cool to go to like you know and a different a con. different con that I because I've never that was the one thing I never got to do in yeah. when I lived in San Diego was go there. I, I had tickets one year and then I had to work. Yeah. And that was the year my best friend got drunk with Luke Skywalker to Vampire Rave. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I just um, imagine it like like blade when like the 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 fire sprinklers turn on and it's all blood that's coming down. <laughs> well, it was a, yeah. ga- a gay vampire race. It was just a bunch of jizz. Jizz with red food coloring. The <laughs> thing about New York Comic Con was like, my, most of my comic experiences have been with smaller cons. But I thought mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Salt Lake's a pretty big con. And then I went into New York Comic Con. I said, no, it's not. Nope. It's re- it's cute. It's a cute, quiet little con. Um, and it's 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 decent size and growing. But New York Comic Con is. Holy shit. So remember, kids, next time you go to Comic-Con Salt Lake and you bitch about the lines... Oh, my God, no. Next time you bitch about the lines, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Or you bitch about... Or, 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 you know, like, and I've done this, like, you bitch about trying to go out to the really far panel rooms out at the other side. Like, Mm -hmm. at New York Comic-Con, the panels are not in the same room as the floor. They're at, like, they're, like, four or five different blocks apart, so you have to, like, walk around the city to get to all the different panels. Holy crap. Yeah, it's insane. Um, but I guess since we're talking about New York Comic Con, and I haven't introduced anybody yet, but we'll get to it. I also went to lunch the first day, because I went basically just for the morning of the first day, and I had my parents with me, and it was so crowded. I could tell <laughs> they were they were conned out, and I was pretty much conned out as well. And the only thing I was going to go back and do is I was going to go back and get um, autographs from the guys who write and art, uh, illustrate Wicked and Divine. Kieran Gillian and... Um, blanking on his name. What's his fuck? Uh, yeah, the artist. Yeah. Uh, oh, anyway. known as Prince? Oh, he's very good. Yeah, he is. But um, but then it was just like it was. They already had a line built up, and I was like, like I kind of like going to the artist alleys where I can sit there and talk to him for a few minutes. And it yeah. didn't feel like it was gonna be one of those situations. It felt like it was gonna be like a sign, go, sign, go, sign, go. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, I don't really need to go back and do it. But while we were at lunch, we walked away from the con a little bit, and we were um, we, we were at lunch, and as we were about to leave, um, Greg Capullo, who has illustrated Batman for like the last. I don't know, 10 to 15 years, sits down <laughs> next to us. And I'm with my mom, so like I'm sitting there going, oh crap. So I write on my phone, the guy sitting over here, like kind of nudged to him, has written Batman for the last 15 years. And they text all these idiots on this panel, and they're like, you should go buy him a drink or whatever. And I'm like, okay, A, I'm with my parents. B, if he walked that far away from the con to have lunch, he does not want to be fucking bothered. So I didn't bother him at all, but uh, he sat next to me. It was pretty cool. So anyway, all sitting next together, we have all the Utah boys in the same room uh, we've now it's we're gonna take the show on the road and we're gonna call it legally plaid. Legally plaid. <laughs> there you uh, go. That was actually supposed to be forever plaid. I don't know why it came out as legally plaid, but whatever. <laughs> I'll create a new show. They're going to be uh, they're going to wear all plaid and they're gonna sing barbershop versions of the soundtrack from Legally Blonde the musical. We are. Um, I didn't yes. get the memo. Yep. No. That's uh, that's your Maybe new group. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, it's also going to be really interesting to try to edit just all of them on one mic, so we'll have to figure out the audio levels for that. That'll be fun. Um, amazing. Amazing. Speaking of amazing, I'm- we have Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm crushing with these two. You can find me here on the Funny Books and Firewater Fod- Podcast. Anywhere else, I'll be impressed. Let me know you see me. Pub okay. quiz. Pub, pub quiz. quiz. I show up to pub quiz every week, and Brian calls uh, bad words about Adam here for not showing up. That's because Brian's a fucker. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Love you, Brian. Kisses. <laughs> but you're a fuck. <laughs> uh, all loves and kisses also go out to Maya. Hey, that's uh, Jeremiah. Uh, you can catch me at a few different places now here in the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, obviously. Uh, if you're in Salt Lake, come up to Dr. Volt's Comics, 2043 East, 3300 South. 
Uh, and by the time this episode hits, I'll have probably t- two or three episodes deep in a new podcast I'm on called Breaking Babylon uh, with our friends Rich and Val, where <coughs> we're watching Babylon 5 from the beginning. It's uh, my favorite TV show of all time. Val, our friend Val, loves it, but she only watched it when it first aired. And Rich, who has never watched it before and has been kind of snarky towards it and Fuck thinks it's kind of goofy, um, <laughs> we, we just wrapped up the first episode a couple of nights ago, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, by the time this airs, you should uh, check out Breaking Babylon. That sounds like fun, actually, because I've, I've wanted to watch that show as well and just have never gotten around to it, so... Um, maybe well, I will join you, in. You can, you, you, can, you can watch it with us. It's available... Uh... On demand. No, it's not. But it's, available, it's available on, like, Vudu and, and Apple and... and oh, I think the podcast. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, no, the episodes, because... Uh, or you can find the DVDs cheap. Um, but uh, yeah. Isn't it on Netflix? I thought Babylon 5 was on Netflix. It is not, because Warner Brothers uh, does everything they can to make that show not available for some reason. Oh, yes. Hmm. I love those sort of, uh, those companies are like, hey, let's make this really difficult to find so that people have to uh, do it illegally. Buy it. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of doing things illegally, we also have Adam. <laughs> Ooh. I'm illegal, do me. I'm illegal, do me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I'll be, I, by the time this airs, this airs the week after my and my birthday, so we will both Ooh. very much be of legal age. Uh, so hit me up on Grinder and Scruff. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, what's up? I'm Adam. I'm the uh, main film critic and reviews editor for Big Shiny Robot, as well as the co-host of the Board as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. And yeah, uh, so yeah, started the new job, and I'm they're trying to cram 12 weeks of training into two. So by the time this airs, I'll be hopping all over Utah fixing stores. Woo-hoo. So yay me! So that should be fun and interesting. But uh, Adam's a good fixer. I am yes in all things in life. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so actually, it's it's nice to actually be gainfully employed and doing things again, even if I, all we do during the week is work and sleep and drive. Well, that's how it goes. Uh, and hey, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer in Southern California. Currently working on a video game called Killing Comma, my friend. Um, and that's all I have that's firmly figured out so far. Other conversations are being had about other things, but nothing that I can officially talk about yet. So. Uh, this week, we are diving into an epic tale. Um, my warning at the front of this is, is, if you're going to read this book along with us, which we will get to votes in a second as to whether or not you should, I recommend setting aside a few days. Trying to sit down and read this all in one sitting is going to not Herculean end well. task. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's A, it's a, a thick book as far as pages, and B, it's a thick book as far as it's wordy and it has a lot of plot going on and it has a lot of things going on but uh i or think you now just, you just watch watch the movie yeah yeah and we'll probably discuss that a little bit as well <laughs> there there are some differences between the film and the book uh some good some bad some i i think it's safe to say there's some things the film does better than the book and some things the book does a little bit differently than the film i don't know if the book does anything better than the movie but uh yeah so Anyway, well, we're going to need a drinking game to go along with this. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. Uh, my drinking game, uh, and this this will come up with more drinks later because my my drink is a vodka drink. Uh, but my drinking game is called V for Vodka. Uh, take a <laughs> shot or take a drink anytime that they mention V or code name V. 
Oh jeez, that's bad man. <laughs> bad man. Oh man. Okay, that's that's worse than mine. I thought mine was pretty bad. Mine is the England prevails rule, which is every time the phrase England prevails is said, take a drink. <laughs> mine is called the narcolepsy. Every time you fall okay. asleep while reading this book, take a yeah. drink. Okay. Mine is head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Every time they make a reference to a body part mm. in reference to um, a different part of the government. Like, like there's like what the finger, the head, the noise, yeah. the uh, bring, yeah, noise. bring the nose, bring the noise, bring the funk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. I like the funk, but I think they phoned in the noise. <laughs> <laughs> what movie is that from? It's from a, a Family Guy episode. Okay, yeah. yeah, I was like, I know I've heard that before. <laughs> Cleveland says it. I don't remember what episode, but Cleveland says it. Cool. <laughs> we got all of that done. That was relatively efficient, shockingly. Um, well, cool. Then we were going to jump into votes as to whether or not we think that you should read it. Vote for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the foreman. Vote for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's going to run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you. Our dear listener, along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now who is the bond? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Uh, is this worth reading, Maya? Uh, I say if, if, you, if you were one of those people that, you know... You watch every movie on the AFI's top top 100 greatest movies of all time just so you can have that sub like know the different different types of movies. This is one of those comics. If you want to read a comic that is ne- maybe not necessarily amazing, but is historically a a revered comic or one that that uh, is loved in the comic community, then yeah, go ahead and read it. But if you're wanting if if you if you want to do homework, read this book. Okay. It's no Guardians of the Galaxy. It, yeah, it's no Guardians of the Galaxy. Or... Nor does it try to be. No, no. it does not. Uh, well, Todd, what's your vote? I have a special place in my heart for this book. Um, it was the first movie I ever saw in a digital projection. So those blacks were inky black, and you didn't see mm-hmm. any of those funny um, artifacts that come through with a traditional projected movie and film. So some people bemoan the loss of that, but that just blew my little mind away. This is very much... it's a can be revered as a classic. It's a bit like screw tape level letters. There's a lot of people that have it on the shelf but never have actually read it. <laughs> Though it is worth reading and those and you do read it, there's a lot to pull out of it. I can see where it's dry at a lot of point in time. I can see where people I don't get this or I don't care I'm bored. There's those elements are definitely can be there, but if you're looking for more, it is quite the critique of 1980s England as when it was written. However, at the same time, there was many things, especially in the first few issues, that rang true and close to home of present day. So if people are going, this book is dated, why do I have to read it? I contest it's not dated at all, and it's definitely worth reading and pulling out as um, there's nothing new. My favorite, I guess, Mark Twain says, history does not repeat itself, but sometimes it rhymes. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> yeah. Well, we're definitely in a rhyming period. So yeah. you should read this book. But you should also read The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Many people have it. They go, oh, it's great, but have only seen the movie. And the movie does a pretty good job of it, but they are different. But yes, you should read it. Adam, what's your vote? So, yeah, this, this is one I read a long time ago, and 
because you know the movie came out during the Bush years, so it was it was very what's the prescient? What's the word you use for that? Prescient. Prescient. That's what it was. Yeah, it was very prescient for the time it came out. And so of course I went and read the the book and found out that oh this is that was like the movie scratched the surface of what the book was trying to get get through and get about. Um, so yes, I would say read it, but like it's already been said, this is homework. This isn't you know sit like the one we're doing next week, the Captain America one. That one's a fun one. It's, you can just sit back and chill and knock uh-huh. it out in half an hour. This is one you're really gonna want to spend time with. Um, and while I did joke, I mean, obviously my, my drinking game is that if you fall asleep while reading it, that happened to me a few times because I spent too much time reading it, and it just gets a bit overwhelming at times. Um, and as Todd said, especially with the with the political climate we have now, uh, it's even more applicable to what's going on now. Uh, maybe not so much the the anarchy of it, but the whole thing that you know governments, you know, citizens shouldn't fear their governments, governments should fear their citizens, and the stuff that's going on that we don't know about that's being done behind closed doors that could obviously affect all of our lives in a very, very big and powerful way. So, Yeah, yeah I'm going to vote yes. I also, I liked this book. Um, it's one of those books that is very, very famous. It's also, there's another Alan Moore book that's also very famous, which I always think is terrible, that people always say, oh, you're interested in comics, here, read this, which is Watchmen, which is sort of like saying, hey, you're interested in reading literature, here's War and Peace, read that. And this <laughs> is a little bit like that as well. It is a good book, but it is heavy. Um, I also... In my opinion, what I did is I read the book. I took about three or four days to do it. Um, this trade, for those of you who are not aware, is separated into three separate books. I would treat them as three separate books and read them three, like, in three separate sittings at least. But then right after it, I watched the movie, and I felt like there was a lot. Like The combination of the book and the movie is a very interesting experience with the two together. The other thing that I had going for me is I had just recently seen the last production of uh, 1984 on Broadway, which was the infamous book, the play that people were puking about. Um, and like literally like, they had people getting sick in the audience or whatever, which we can discuss at some other time if we want to. I, I feel like those people were just overly sensitive, but that's a totally different issue. Um, There's also people that get confused with Mission Impossible. Yeah, I mean, it's also one of those things where like, I know that as a theater goer, I know how most of the tricks are done. I've been in this industry since I was 16 years old. So I... It's hard for me to go to a the- to go to a theatrical production and put aside my critical brain and just embrace what the story is. So I often dissect as to how things are going. Like I can still enjoy. It's kind of how we read comics here too. Now you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like we- I can still enjoy reading comics, but as I'm reading through one specifically for the show, I'm also taking note in the back of my head as to how certain things are done, how I feel about the art, how I feel about whatever. So going to that show, there is some there's some grotesque moments in um, the scene for the Room 101. For those of you who are familiar with 1984. That, like, I really, dissecting it in my head, I could see exactly how they were doing it, but people were, like, horrified by this torture scene, and I was like, eh, it's, it wasn't all that. Anyway, but going back to my actual vote, I actually think it's, I think it's readable, if not a little bit challenging, but I think it's, I think it's worth taking on that challenge, but I think you just have to be, have your mindset prepared to take that challenge on. Does anybody else have any warnings they want to throw in before we take a break and give our audience a chance to read this. We pretty much covered it. That would just, you know, mm-hmm. take your time with this. It's not something you can read in a day. I, I, yeah. agree, I agree with that. Uh, spread it out because uh, I had read the first 40 pages a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and then uh, read the entirety of the rest of it last night <laughs> and that was a bad idea. So, uh, oh. yeah, break it up if you can. All of our response to that was sort of like the, so I had to run a marathon so I ran the first three miles the first day and then was like, oh shit, I still have 20 miles to go, so I ran those all this morning. You know what I mean? Like, that's sort of what the equivalent of what you just did was, Maya. Yep. Uh, yes, it was. Well, so now we'll let you guys take a chance to read this book. We all mostly recommend that you should, as long as you're prepared for the challenge. Um, if you're not prepared for the challenge, 
and you can either and you want to refresh yourself with the story I'll be honest, the movie is a pretty damn good representation of the book. In some ways, it does a few things a little bit better. So you can check out the movie. So in that case, we'd see you in like two hours. And if not, we'll see you in a couple days when you finish reading the book. Or maybe you've already read it and want to plow on through. Or maybe you just want to just hear our opinions as well. Um, of course, as always, we will summarize it for you as well. But we're not going to go page by page like we normally do. We're stealing it from Wikipedia. Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, so we will see you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. But yeah, no, reading reading the other 220 pages last oh, night geez. fucking sucked. Good thing it's all yeah. pictures and no words. And I, and I read it... <laughs> and I, Jesus, <laughs> fuck you. And I, and I read it late at night, too. I, didn't th- I don't think I was done with it till probably 2 in the morning. I started reading oh, it like... Almost ten. I had to take a couple of breaks, but oh, it was a uh, it was a task. Yeah, I, I read mine over like three or four days at work. I just looked at it and was like, okay, this is going to be an undertaking. We're gonna separate this all out. Okay, Adam, <laughs> are you ready to do the lightning <laughs> round, aka read the plot off of Wikipedia because it's gonna As take too long to go through yes. page by page. Lightning round begins. On Guy Fawkes Night in London, 1997, a financially desperate 16-year-old, Evie Hammond, sexually solicits men who are actually members of the state secret police called The Finger. Preparing to rape and kill her, The Finger men are dispatched by V, a cloaked anarchist wearing a Guy Fawkes mask, who later remotely detonates explosives at the House of Parliament before bringing Evie to his contraband-filled underground lair, The Shadow Gallery. Evie tells V her life story, which reveals that a global nuclear war in the late 80s has since triggered the rise of England's fascist government, Norsefire. Meanwhile, Eric Finch, a veteran detective in charge of the regular police force, The Nose, begins investigating V's terrorist activities. Finch often communicates with Norsefire's other intelligence departments, including The Finger, led by Derek Almond, and The Head, embodied by Adam Susan, the reclusive government leader who obsessively oversees the government's fate computer system. Finch's case thickens when V mentally deranges Louis uh, Prothero, a propaganda broadcasting radio personality, forces the suicide of Bishop Anthony Lilliman, a pedophile priest, and prepares to murder Dr. Delia Surridge, a medical researcher who once had a romance with Finch. Finch suddenly discovers the connection among V's three targets. They all used to work at a former Norse Fire resettlement camp near Larkhill. That night, V kills both Almond and Surridge, but Surridge has left a diary revealing that V, a former inmate and victim of Surridge's cruel medical experiments, was able to destroy and flee the camp, and is now eliminating the camp's former officers for what they did at the camp. Finch reports these findings to Susan, who suspects that this vendetta might actually be a cover for V, who, he worries, may be plotting an even bigger terrorist attack. So that was book one. (laughs) (laughs) Book two. Four months later, V breaks into Jordan Tower, the home of Norsefire's propaganda department, The Mouth, led by Robert Dascom, to broadcast a speech that calls on the people to resist the government. V escapes using an elaborate diversion that results in Dascom's death. Finch is soon introduced to Peter Creedy, the new head of the Finger, who provokes Finch to strike him and thus gets sent on a forced vacation. All this time, Evie has moved on with her life, becoming romantically involved with a much older man named Gordon. Evie and Gordon unknowingly cross paths with Rose Almond, the widow of the recently killed Derek. After Derek's death, Rose reluctantly began a relationship with Daskam, but now, with both of her lovers murdered, she's forced to perform demoralizing burlesque work, increasing her hatred of the unsupportive government. When a Scottish gangster named Ali Harper murders Gordon, a vengeful Evie interrupts a meeting between Harper and Creedy, the latter of whom is buying the support of Harper's thugs in preparation to coup d'etat. Evie attempts to shoot Harper, but is suddenly abducted and then imprisoned. Amidst interrogation and torture, 
Evie finds an old letter in her cell written by an inmate named Valerie Page, a film actress who was imprisoned and executed for being a lesbian. Evie's interrogator finally gives her a choice of collaboration or death. Inspired by Valerie, Evie refuses to collaborate and, expecting to be executed, is instead told that she is free. Stunned, Evie learns that her supposed imprisonment was actually a, a hoax constructed by V so that she could experience an ordeal similar to the one that shaped him in Lark Hill. He reveals that Valerie was a real Lark Hill prisoner who died in the cell next to his, and that the letter is not a fake. Evie forgives V, who was hacking the government's fake computer system and started emotionally manipulating Adam Susan with mind games. Consequently, Susan, who has formed a bizarre romantic attachment to the computer, is beginning to descend into madness. Book 3. The following November 5th, 1998, V blows up the post office tower and Jordan Tower, killing the ear leader, Brian Etheridge, in addition to effectively shutting down three government agencies, the eye, the ear, and the mouth. Creedy's men and Harper's associated street gangs violently suppress the sub subsequent wave of revolutionary fervor from the public. V notes to Evie that he has not achieved what he calls the land of do as you please, meaning a functional anarchistic society and considers the current chaotic situation an interim period of land of take what you want. Finch has been mysteriously absent and his young assistant, Dominic Stone, one day realizes that V has been influencing the fake computer program all along, which would explain V's consistent foresight. All the while, Finch has been traveling to the abandoned side of Lark Hill, where he takes LSD to conjure up memories of his own devastated past and to put his mind in the role of the prisoner of Lark Hill, like V, to help give him an intuitive understanding of V's experiences. Returning to London, Finch suddenly decides, deduces that V's lairs inside the abandoned Victoria Station, which he enters. V takes Finch by surprise, resulting in a scuffle which sees v Finch shoot V, and V wound Finch with a knife. V claims that he cannot be killed since he's only an idea and that ideas are bulletproof. Regardless, V is indeed mortally wounded and returns to the shadow gallery deeper within, dying in Evie's arms. Evie considers unmasking V but decides not to, realizing that V is not an identity but a symbol. She then assumes V's identity, donning one of his spared Guy Fawkes costumes. Finch sees the large amount of blood that V has left at his wake and deduces he must be mortally wounded. Occurring concurrently to this, Creedy has been pressuring Susan to appear in public, hoping to leave him exposed. Sure enough, as Susan stops to shake hands with Rose during a parade, she shoots him in the head in vengeance for the death of her husband and the life she's had to lead since then. Following Rose's arrest, Creedy assumes emergency leadership of the country, and Finch emerges to the subway proclaiming V's death. Due to his LSD-induced epiphany, Finch leaves his position within the nose. The power struggle between the remaining leaders results in all their deaths, with Harper betraying and killing Creedy at the behest of Helen Heyer, the wife of the I-leader Conrad Heyer, who had outbid Creedy for Harper's loyalty, and Harper and Heyer killing each other as a consequence of Heyer's attack on Harper, following his discovery of Harper's affair with his wife. That's a lot of fucking names. Um, with the fate of the top government officials unknown to the public, Stone acts as leader of the police forces deployed to ensure the riots are contained should V still be alive and make his promised public announcement. Evie appears to a crowd dressed as V, pronouncing the destruction of 10 Downing Street the following day, and telling the crowd they must choose what comes next, live lives of your own, or returns lives of your own or return to chains. Whereupon a general insurrection begins. Evie destroys 10 Downing Street by blowing up an underground train containing V's body in the style of an explosive vacuum funeral. She abducts Stone, apparently to train as her successor. The book ends with Finch quietly observing the chaos raging in the city and walking down an abandoned motorway whose lights have all gone out. The end. I think, I think you've said everything yeah. that needs to be said, right? Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the best way to do the lightning round because otherwise it gets into the weeds really heavy. Um, I will say one of the most Alan Moore things about this fucking book, and when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, that's where Alan Moore's thing is, is when he go, when a detective goes to the site and takes LSD mm -hmm. to yeah. get a better understanding as to what happened. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, there's the crazy Alan Moore. There it is. That's where it Alan begins. Moore definitely okay. does not do drugs. Oh, yeah, and no, he not never at has. all. Never, ever. He, he's straight edge. Oh. 
Yeah. He just, he just does yeah. what the wizards in his beard tell him to do. And those wizards, and by those wizards are way, not strategies, though. They do LSD all the fuck. Apparently, yeah. So there's a couple things, and I, I mean, it's kind of hard at this point in time, I think, for a lot of us not to compare this book to the mm-hmm. movie as well. One of the things I think I like better in the movie than I like in the book is the ending. I like that it all gets tied up on the 5th of November. I like that it's a bigger building that gets blown up. And I like that the entire community is more involved and the, you see the idea grow and start to spread more in the movie than you do in the book, at least in my perspective. And I was going to see if but anybody see, in else the book, any thoughts you, on They blew up Downing Street on my birthday. Yeah, I get my that. Birthday. But like the thing is, when <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. But when you're celebrating Guy Fawkes Day... And, like, it's V for Vendetta, and it starts out on Guy Fawkes Day. There's something nice about it ending on Guy Fawkes Day as well. The fact that it continues on past Guy Fawkes Day, although it does get to your birthday, which is but, very but important. But it ends on Adam McDonald Day. Uh, sure, I guess. Com- but we, we, uh, yeah, exactly. we don't have a comic book for, uh, for Adam McDonald Day. The so first we have and to last time Vendetta. I ever touched a vagina. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, your coming out party. Exactly, yeah. The original. So, what do we... Uh, what's really interesting about wow. this is um, is earlier today I was talking with uh, Andy Wilson and I know we were doing this and he has the exact opposite Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. he has the exact opposite take of view is that he doesn't like that that's how it plays out in the movie in fact he likes the ending of the book better uh, but I actually I'm more really? of you like I like the fact that you know because you know in, in the movie he does mail out the, the costume and the mask to everyone and then mm-hmm. you get and at the end everyone you know when they blow up parliament they actually pull the mask off and you see that it's everyone it's you it's me it's it's that uh, masking scene, it's we. Yeah, it's the other it's the other ninety nine percent. Something I just noticed when I watched the movie recently and I, I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but um if you watch V for Vendetta, I didn't catch it until this most recent time watching it, is when they're uh, taking the masks off everybody, there are people who have died yes. through the course of the story who are yeah, in the crowd. Yeah. I hadn't noticed that before. There's like the little girl with the glasses and there's the actress and her lover who die, and there's the in the movie it's Gordon, basically it's the character from the book, but in the movie uh, he's he's gay, and him and Evie are just friends. But he also has his own sort of secret shadow gallery of stuff he's collected as well. Which I also like that character, that aspect of that character of him also being rebellious on his own little quiet level. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, so I, I think they did that better yeah, in the movie, I, but that was I know that some people it's, it's a it's kind of like the ending of, of uh, Watchmen, where like the movie made it Doctor Manhattan, and the the book was some fucking weird alien thing. And there are purists out there who are yeah. like, now it's got to be the fucking weird alien thing, which makes no goddamn sense. Do you think they'll, jumping off topic for a second, but do you mm-hmm. think they're going to put the giant alien squid in the TV show that they're working on? Possibly. I bet they are. It, it wouldn't surprise they're me. Doing a, are they doing a Watchmen TV they show? They are for HBO. So you get all that blue dick. Okay. All the blue dick. Yeah. I think I'm one of like four people who actually like the movie. I like the movie. Hey, I like the movie. And so I did I. Okay. There we go, four people. I thought the movie was okay. I think it's a. I think it's a really hard book to adapt. Any, it seems like any Alan Moore More. book is. Uh... It's hard to adapt without losing something, or it's almost like there's a story um, about um, the script, the original script for um, Goodwill Hunting, where I don't know if, how many of you guys know this or not, but like when they wrote that script for Goodwill Hunting, they had it about page mm-hmm. sixty. Will and Ben Affleck's character having gay sex, like awesome. in the middle of the book or in the middle of the script. And they used it as a way to, and it didn't make any sense for the rest of the story, but they used it as a way to see if people had actually read it. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes in Alan Moore's books, there's like weird random shit, like all of a sudden a character takes LSD, and it's like there's just weird shit that he's thrown in there, that, or, or a giant squid at the end of the book. It's like, you can adapt it, but maybe just cut like cut this one weird thing out. You it's know? really interesting to watch. It's got pages to fill, issues to write, and you've got a filler. 
Mm-hmm. So there's story, and you've got to get to the point of it. Watching different writers fill in and flesh out storylines, I mean, it's much of a telltale sign of who they are as a writer and how they fill in that extra mm-hmm. as anything else. And watching Alan Moore, it usually has to do with sex and LSD in some form or another. So that's really what I've noticed uh-huh. with that. So, I mean, you have others that do the same thing. Grant Morrison gets weird, too, but... Alan Moore really kind of goes off the edge. Yeah, and I, I, that's the most Alan Moore-ish thing is on the edges. I seem to be able to to handle Grant Morrison's weird a lot easier than I'm able to handle Al- Alan Moore's weird. Mm-hmm. But see, I love them both. Yeah. But I think Alan Moore is, is legitimately crazy uh, though. Like in real life, I think he's definitely got. Oh, he's he's a tree wizard. Yeah, he's a tree wizard. Worships a snake. <coughs> yeah. Well, I worship a snake too. He does. <laughs> Not in the bedroom. Does yours have scales? Do you need to see the doctor? No, but it spits. <laughs> the cobra. But it doesn't have a hood. And it is cold blood. <laughs> cold Thank you, Al. <laughs> I got no that. I got no. Uh, so I guess my thing is like the book, like you said before, oh. if you're if you're a purist and you want to get really deep into this and you know possibly write like a college essay that's the book for you but to be completely honest if you just watch the movie you're going to get the gist of it and you're going to get a lot of the points now the one thing i will bring up that they do in the movie that i don't like as much is they really romanticize and make v this really big hero and to be honest he's not he's, he's an kind of a shitbag he's a horrible yes. person like you know you know the way, the way he does with evie and everything else like I, I understand the reasons why she had to go through that transformation and do that He's not a good person though. Like he's not even really an anti-hero. He just he's an anarchist rebel who wants to get revenge on the people who've wronged him. And then because of it was the government that charged him. That's he, yeah. the whole thing's motivated for revenge. He mm-hmm. can say all he wants. Oh, I'm trying to save the people and you know recreate society in a better way. It's not. It's about his thing. If that happens to come along as a side effect, whoop do fucking do. But then that's what I love about I do like about the book is that it goes more in detail and you see that side of his character whereas he's so much more romanticized in the movie mm-hmm. and you got Hugo Weaving doing the voice and you know when I'm reading the book you can't help but hear Hugo Weaving's voice reading yeah. the part and Natalie Portman also being Evie I mean, was, she's a fantastic actress mm-hmm. as well so you can't really fault the, the actress for that but that's one of my only problems with the movie is that it's and that's also one of the reasons why Alan Moore distanced himself from it as well. He's like, you're romanticizing him. He's not a hero. He's an anarchist. And um, he also was pissed they made it take place in, you know, it's like it basically made it an American movie taking place in England instead of about England and stuff. So if you want to go read his interview with it, like it's like a one paragraph thing, probably on the Wikipedia page we just read from. Um, and the wizards, yeah, the the wizards come out and, and talk to him. So like, mm-hmm. they make a statement. The one thing though, I feel like the movie. Like I understand your point, but I, one one thing about the movie that I think it does a little bit better is that it integrates the mystery as to his origin story throughout the entire course of the book, whereas in here it's basically finished up in the first book. And I think what that ends up doing is you don't realize that it's completely selfish reasons why he's doing all this until closer to the end. So like he seems like a guy who is noble and has all these ideas, but then you realize at the end he is basically doing it for selfish reasons. Now, they do play up him being a hero. I completely agree with you on that. But I like the way that that mystery covers the entire depth of the story, yeah. you know, that it runs the entire thing. Because um, also, he's a fucking evil asshole for mm-hmm. what he does to Evie, too. Like, he can't just tell her about his own personal experience or share this letter. He has to torture her and kidnap her for he her to, to understand. Damage like, really? her psychologically like, to make to make her like him. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it, it's like a completely Stockholm syndrome at that point in time. You know what I mean? Like it's that I feel like is fucked up, and no one really seems to mention that. But that's like especially treating him as a hero when he does that fucked up shit of like, oh yeah, here I tortured you so that you can understand how I feel. I think is 
fucking horrible and bullshit, but whatever. Yeah, so Lee is terrible. Mr. Booze. Mr. Booze. Mr. B-double-O-Z. That's your spells, Booze. I've got a drink. I have a drink as well. Um, I was actually just pulling out my phone. So, Adam, why don't you go ahead and go with your drink? So, I'm just calling mine Vengeance, because that's what the whole book's really about. So, this one is one ounce of 151, one ounce of silver rum, one ounce of triple sec, one ounce of, like, a Kahlua or a coffee liqueur, one ounce of sour, one ounce of lime juice, one ounce of grenadine. You shake the shit out of that over ice, and then strain into a glass with ice and garnish with an orange and a cherry. Um, mine is the same name as my um, drinking game. It's called England Prevails. Um, it is two sprinkles of thyme. Um, one and a half ounces of tea vodka, which is basically vodka infused with a tea bag. Um, <laughs> a tea bag. Three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon <laughs> juice. Yeah, but uh, two teaspoons of honey uh, mixed with two teaspoons of water. And basically, in a cocktail shaker, you lightly muddle the thyme sprigs. Um, oh, sorry, it wasn't sprinkles, it was sprigs. I just wrote it down wrong. Um, and then you add ice uh, and the tea vodka, lemon juice, and honey syrup, and you shake well and you strain into a chilled martini glass or a coupe glass with the remaining sprig. And then. Uh, yeah, basically just to make the, the tea vodka, they say, steep English breakfast tea in vodka, which maybe you're doing already at home. I mean, that might be how you get through work, which, you know, if you are, get on you. Uh, good Maya, you. do you have a cocktail? I do. Uh, my drink is called the Vendetta. Uh, it is one and a half ounces of vodka, one and a half ounces of brandy, uh, a quarter ounce of Pernod, three quarters ounce of bitters, and six basil leaves. Uh, put all of that into a shaker loaded with ice. Shake it until condensation forms around the shaker. Uh, and then strain it uh, into a rocks glass with fresh ice and garnish with a basil sprig. And Todd? Mine's the classic, the White Rose. Um, it's called the White Rose. When you read the book, you will notice that V leaves a White Rose with each of his um, victims that he has oh, killed. Oh, look at you. That's right. It's a nice reference there, but this is a look classic. Look at the big brain on Brad. So, this has both gin and egg whites in it, and neither that I particularly care for. <laughs> so, but what you're going to need is one whole egg white, a uh, splash of lemon juice, a splash of maraschino liqueur, and a um, splash of orange juice, and then a shot and a half of gin. You put that into a shaker, you shake the shit out of it, and then you pour it into a chilled martini glass and enjoy if you happen to like gin and egg white. <laughs> I like gin. I'm not an egg white fan, though. Not so, cocktails. Yeah, that's the classic white rose. We've really sort of just barely scratched the surface on this book. Well, this is like we talked about if we ever do Watchmen that we could, you know, literally, literally do Watchmen. We'll have to take like a full month to do mm -hmm. just Watchmen. Yeah. I mean, again, that's, like you said, we, we've only scratched the surface and it almost kind of seems blasphemous that we've only talked about it so little but at the same time there's really so much that you, yeah. we could spend hours we, and hours we, we could do a fucking ted talk on this book. you could do a, yeah. you could probably do a college class <laughs> that's it's just one of those like is there some is there some other topic in this book that anybody is dying to discuss uh you know before we go on to final grades and things like that not really eh, what's been interesting not in the movie is fate which happens to be the supercomputer that uh -huh. the leader of the mm. government uses and there's a whole subplot about V going in and perverting fate against the users of it and having a thing there. What he wrote in the 80s, and which is also fun to watch, is how do they expect things in the future and future tech to bring, yeah. and how close and spot on, or how much they missed it. All in all, fate seems to be Alexa, or your Google Assistant, mm -hmm. as much as anything else. Mm -hmm. And he really seems to have 
gotten that pretty well in that respect of it, but V's perversion going back through and again, and you have this leader, and he's just absolutely has fallen in love with this computer and not so much being able to interact and have relationships with normal people. He's just completely a slave in his love to fate. He's a slave to fate, as he perceives it. Uh, the movie itself was done remarkably well. I usually watch this movie about once a year. There's about four flicks that meet that requirement for me, but V for Vendetta is definitely one of them. It's moody and dark. It has been Hollywoodized, but at the same time, it is um, not so much your conventional. The uh, Wachowskis produced it, and it was directed by their DP, and this was an absolutely great film, and the execution was fantastic. They flipped the blowing up of Parliament from the beginning of the book to be the climax on Guy Fawkes Day in the movie, and of course... Because Americans won't know what 10 Downing Street is. <laughs> no, we have no idea the old Bailey and the whole bit. So they did it for that, and lots of fireworks and whatnot, and it was fun to watch. And it was just really good, It's but it's atmospheric and moody, and it just kind of... The line from it is, um, people should not be afraid of their governments, but governments should be afraid of their people. Mm -hmm. Really does ring true, and as much as anything, this should be an empowerment for the average citizen of my government should be listening to me, and if they're not, I will make them listen. And we really should be. So, yeah, that's really um, the takeaways from the story there. We haven't scratched it that deep because to go on the next layer makes this podcast four hours longer. <laughs> so we're just yeah, kind of I, cruising, skipping across yeah. the atmosphere. Well, and one of the things, so I mentioned earlier that I had just barely seen the production of 1984 before this. And as I've kind of described production 1984 to a few people, Everything about it was brilliant until the last 15 minutes, and then they tried to get really too in-your-face artsy-fartsy theater, and they kind of jumped the shark. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the points they tried really hard when they're jumping the shark, and, like, and I get what they were doing, but it was really frustrating, was they were talking about the Big Brothers watching you, and they Did basically... Did they play the They didn't, oh, I wish. Um, no, but it was... Um, uh, but they what really what they were doing is they're trying to push... It, down people's throats like their cell phone and they, they basically invited Big Brother into their home which is not inaccurate so, but it's it's interesting that when you have like a, a book and this this V for Vendetta is very Orwellian you know what I mean like it's it very much could be a sister piece to 1984 very easily um, but yeah it was like it's I'm just I kind of find that interesting of their perspective of what the future is going to be in 1997 uh, you know versus you know what they thought the future was going to be in 1984 um, and some of those things did come true, you know, and it's kind of interesting that you can't, like, the people can look to the future and not necessarily get the very specifics of maybe perhaps the technology being used, but get the idea of what the actual sociological issues will be, um, you know, from that far behind is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, anybody got any, anything else? No, but again, I think what Todd said, if we were to go deeper, it would take yeah. four hours. Well, then, let's jump into our final grades. <laughs> Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking done. God, please, no! 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 No!
so we're going to start out with on um, this for the writer, Mr. Alan Moore. Writing, what's your votes? We'll go with Todd. Well, Alan Moore is crazy. And there is yeah. definitely filler in the story. And I love this book, but I'm going to give it a solid, you know, it's A for grandiosity, B plus for execution. Um, so, again, it's, it's Alan Moore being very, very wordy and being as Alan Moore as he can. Uh, so I'm going to give it a B. Again, there's a lot here. There's a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of filler and a lot of things that you could have... Again, it's like you, you need someone to tell him no at certain times because this book easily could have been 100 pages shorter and it would have been a lot better. Uh, I'm going to go with an A- minus of all the things I've read from Alan Moore. This is actually probably my favorite. Um, I even like this a little bit more than Watchmen just because I feel like Watchmen is so fucking heavy. So if someone were new to comics and wanted to read an Alan Moore because he's a famous writer, I would give them this before I'd give them Watchmen. But yeah, so I, I would go with A-. minus because I, I, For the most part, I liked it. I think it's just... It, it is a it's a big meal um, and Maya well real quick would you give them Neonomicon before you would give them this I would give no one Neonomicon <laughs> no I would not suggest it um, I'm gonna give this a B uh, you know I, I, I do joke and, and kind of complain a little that it's wordy and it did put me to sleep in fact my original drinking game uh, was the same one as Adam's uh, and then I, I had a, a backup one that was uh, Any time that you have to go back a couple of pages because you just kind of gloss over and you're just <laughs> yeah, you're right? on you yeah. d- and you don't remember what happened in the last two pages. But overall, and especially with you know, like we mentioned, what's going on in the world today, it is a very relevant book and it's one of those that will probably be relevant throughout history as you know the cycle yeah. of uh, uh, the political climate you know circles back around. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna stick with a B as well. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it uh, as as much as it felt like homework. <laughs> you know, there in the okay. first issue or two, there is a line by the Voice of England that says "Making Britain Great Again." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just this <laughs> pushing through when I read that, and I'm just like, oh god. So then we will go for art for Mr. David Lloyd. Um, we'll go backwards. So Maya, what's your grade? I'm for actually going to give it a C. Um, Okay. There were point there there were there are parts of it uh, that I did enjoy, but a lot of it and it, it just a lot of it's probably due to the coloring, um, but it just felt too muddy for me and I had to uh, I, I had a hard time sometimes figuring out what exactly was going on in the panel, um, just because of the way it was drawn and the way the the colors and inks were. Um, it, it's not my not my cup of tea when it comes to uh, to art, so I'm just gonna give it a flat, flat C. So I'm gonna put you on the spot. Here, two things. One, my bigger issue is with the lettering. For whatever word, the word I'm and how it was the I apostrophe M, mm-hmm. it kept looking at like one and three quarter cup or something <laughs> to me. I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah. So, when this was written in that era, in that era of comic books, if you know off the top of your head, what would you give a higher grade? Uh, Dark Knight Returns. Okay. I would give Watchmen a higher grade. Watchmen came out either right before or right after this. I can't remember. Uh, I think it was right before this. Um, okay, but yeah, if you want to kind of go with those 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 three eighties uh, kind of dark books that kind of took comics in a darker turn, it would mm-hmm. be V Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. Sure, uh, and I would give both of those A's compared to this book. Okay, I'm gonna go with a B minus. Uh, I, I I I think it's okay. I think it's serviceable. I think it it feels very dated by modern standards but I also just feel like it feels more like um, I, I want to say it feels more like something from a newspaper and I don't know exactly what I mean by that but that's what the phrase that keeps coming to my head is like it almost feels like Mary it's Worth. yeah or something I don't know it, it's like it doesn't feel like like cartoony cartoony but it almost feels like 
Maybe it's the the, the um, Prince Valiant comics. You remember those? <laughs> yeah. The ones I'd always skip on some. Like it, the art reminds me of those, which as a kid was a major turnoff to me because like that was just like that was the boring comic that I didn't listen to or didn't read. You know what I mean? Uh, or cartoon like where I loved all the other comic strips. So it kind of reminds me of that. But like it, it's serviceable. It's, there's just nothing. It tells a story fine, but there's nothing in the art that makes me go, oh, this is an amazing, fantastic panel. The way they did this was like, oh, holy shit. You know what I mean? There's nothing like that that really grabs me. So and then Adam. Uh, so I'm with my honesty. I, this is not my my favorite type of artwork. It, it's very dated. Uh, and but and there's the problem is that there are some other books like we mentioned, Dark Knight Returns, that the art is much better. So it's almost kind of like. I mean, maybe when it came out, it seemed edgy and cool, but it was kind of the same problem I had when we did uh, Alien Vengeance. Or, 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 Defiance. Defiance. Defiance, yeah. Just because it felt like it was trying to be that old school type of comic, and I was never been a big fan of that. But I just go back to like the first thing you're going to have to do this is because the movie has such cool cinematography, and the way they play everything out is so beautiful and gorgeous, and the way they play with light and everything else is so fun that the DP definitely put a lot more work into that and really drew on his own creation mm-hmm. more than the book inspired him to do so. And talk. The cinematography of the movie was great. James McTeague, the director, was the DP for the Wachowskis yeah. and the Matrix. And that was fantastic. What this, this criticism's fair, I would say the shining parts of the art would be the silhouette. So, often points, some of the awesome points in the movie of V coming over the rooftop, going to the church, or some of his other fight sequences, a lot of it, Trevelyn, was inspired by this art. So the movie executed it better, but the the art itself here, I understand, but you look at the silhouettes and the picture of the Guy Fox mask and the task of you always have this person with the exact same expression because he's wearing the static mask is I don't pity the artist at all. And it is dated, but it did a, um, I think a really good job of what he was trying to do within the confines of it. So, and it's not the best art. It's also not the worst art either. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. No, exactly. That's why I, you know, I gave it, you know, a, yeah, great, a passing right. grade. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't my style. Right. So, but a few pages here and there with the silhouettes of V are rather classic looking, and he's coming up with this new character, and he did a great job. Is when you've got a character, if you don't have any coloring on it at all, you just have this outline, and you know right who that is. Um, that's a success. I would do that, and I think with V for Vendetta, one can do that. So for me, I would give it a B as well. I don't know how we do this grade. I mean. I guess we're trying to do November holidays, so or the themes of holidays. Mm-hmm. So how well does this tie into Guy Fox Day, which is a holiday we're celebrating? Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's, it's why Guy Fox Day is even celebrated outside of the UK. Yeah, yeah that's true. Come, come November fifth, you're going to see all your American friends say, "Remember, <laughs> remember the fifth of November," and probably ninety percent of them don't even know what Guy Fox Day celebrates. Or the fact that actually it's about them because they're all retarded idiots. Yeah, <laughs> well, that too. trying to blow up Parliament. Tough feeling. Yeah. Well, okay, it's like. Well, People only know, I mean, people know that from the movie the and movie. also from Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And if anything, Anonymous does really well in tying in with what the spirit of V from Dead is all, actually all about. But it's like the same guys who, who wear Shea Guerrero shirts and have no idea what the fuck's going on. They're just like, <laughs> oh, it looks cool. It's a hot topic. Let me get it. Yeah. You, you, you're a fucking idiot. You need to go go do your homework. And that, I'm, I'm going to be that Take guy. Take five minutes and read the Wikipedia page. Exactly. You just <laughs> know what the fuck you're talking about. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> okay, there. I'm, I'm, get off my lawn, by the way. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to bring that up in the next podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll go quickly through the grades for that. So, as appropriate for the holiday, I'm going to give it an A. It's really appropriate for Guy Fox Day. Uh, because it's, one, it, it's at least from an American standpoint, it's the only reason we know it. Uh, Todd, what's your grade? 
For the holiday, it's an A. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Maya? A. A-A-A. Give it a Fonzie. And uh, Adam. A. Cool. And then, of course, we're going to do final grades, everything inclusive. Um, We will start with Mr. Maya. Uh, You know, I gave the story a B. I gave the art a C. uh, So I'm just going to give it a a B minus. Okay. Uh, Adam. Uh, I'm right with Maya. B minus. You know, it's with the exact same scores. It's a good story. I like it. And it's something I think that should be read. It's not something that I'm going to recommend to a first-time comic reader or something that I'm, I'm going to be like, no, you, you have to fucking read this book immediately. Like, it's it, There's a lot more stuff that we've read on the show and that mm-hmm. I, you can read in real life that would that would come before this book. But it the theme of what's happening is very similar to what's happening in America right now. So I would say read it before we all fall into a nuclear holocaust. Read, read it before they uh, burn all the books. Burn yeah, all that's, the that was the joke I was going to make. So, yes. <laughs> read it before it's illegal to do so. Um, I'm going to give it a B plus. I actually quite like this book. Um, to be honest, though, I feel like part of my appreciation and love for this book is the fact that I really like the movie. And I feel like there's some more depth that comes from the reading the book that you can take into watching the movie. And so I think that the pair uh, together of the movie and the film, I think, is a really interesting and uh, good experience. So, like, yeah. So I, I think it's if you like the movie a lot, I think it, it's worth giving it a read. But give yourself some time to do so. Um, and Todd. I'm also going to give it a B plus. It's um, one of those books, you know how in high school when there's required reading and you've got to read To Kill a Mockingbird. And because you were required to read it, you're kind of like, I have to read this. Just let me get through it. Yeah. And then you come back as an adult and you pick up To Kill a Mockingbird again. And it's like, you know what? This is actually really great. And I'm glad mm-hmm. I read this thing. Yeah. A lot of respects. This falls under that. It is one of my uh, more favorite books I like to read. Important is a I don't want to call it an important book, but it does have something to say. I mean, a lot of the books we read, it's all about bubblegum and fun and pop, and I love the story, I love the art, and do that sort of thing, but what does it have to say at the end isn't really part of the conversation here. It's actually trying to get the reader to think for themselves a little bit and come back out with possibly a different perspective or reaffirming what they already know, but this does take more work to go through that and a little bit of um, self possession of what your thoughts really are but is it the greatest story ever no is it the greatest art ever no but as brian said as a companion piece with the film what did amazingly so is the film and the comic can feed off of each other and they make each one better so but this is a b plus for me and now it's time for recommendations that time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. How dare you? And what is that? You give your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. It's been a while since we've been together, so I'm going to have a lot of options to pick for um, for recommendations. Mm-hmm. Does anybody want to go for recommendations? Um, so it's it just came out, well, as of the time of this recording, it came out this week for the uh, PS4 and Xbox. It's the new South Park game, mm-hmm. the South Park Fractured But Whole. <laughs> I'll let you giggle that one. Um, it's, it's the sequel to The Stick of Truth, so it plays kind of like a Final Fantasy game. But they kind of mixed in more tactical stuff, so you have to move around like the area, and like you can knock guys into your other guys and fight them back. Uh, if you're a South Park fan, you, you already have the game, 
Uh, but if not, it's it's hilarious because the first game was all about Dungeons and Dragons, and this one now they're like doing superheroes and it's spoofing the whole Marvel Civil War thing, and it's just a lot of fun. And it's again, one, they do it again and make it one of the dirtiest games I've ever played in my life. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah when, when I when I come out of my room and I see you playing a mini game where you're dressed as a stripper grinding on some random guy and farting in his face, and then yeah. farting in his face. Uh, yeah. And you're, you're, you're a nine-year-old kid, by the way, at a strip club doing this. That's fancy. <laughs> nice. I might have to pick this game up. This might, that might be what I need in my life right now. Hey, Todd. So since this is a heavy book, I'm picking another heavy book to read in Companion. <laughs> because why not? So earlier we read a book, uh, Batwoman Elegy, and we all just mm-hmm. raved about the art because it's amazing. And then we read the new relaunch of Archie, and I raved about Archie. Not everyone did, but I did. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this book called Strange Fruit from Boom Studios, um, written by Mark Wade and the art by J.G. Jones. The uh, general idea, there was a big flood in 1927 down in Mississippi. That part really happened, and it displaced a whole lot of people. A lot of people died from it, and you've got... Racism, a black superhero coming in that came from the sky to save the day, and the white guy is not quite sure how to go about this. Displacement and all over the other heavy stories and stuff going on. And it makes you feel bad for your skin color. <laughs> oh. So, okay. but it's a painted style. It's like J.G. Jones going after the Kingdom Come style of Alex Ross okay. as much as his rendition on that. So it's beautiful to look at. The story is heavy, and you won't like yourself afterwards, but it's definitely a great read. Here's the thing. So I've been trying to read down my TV Red pile. I went to New York Comic Con. Um, I've just had a lot of stuff going on recently. Uh, but uh, I think what I'm going to recommend is a book by Mark... Uh, is Mark Remander? Rick, Rick, right Rick Remander. Rick Remander, um, that I discovered at um, Midtown Comics in New York City. Um, it's a book called Deadly Class by a viewer. Uh, I haven't read it, but I am aware of it. It's okay. Like, I like it. It's a weird thing to be recommending it. It's not for everybody. Like, by all means, it's not for everybody. But basically, it's about a secret school. It's like an evil Harry Potter where basically the children of mafiosos and gang members and stuff like that go to learn to be assassins. Mm-hmm. And um, this one this one punk kid who um, happens to be really, you know, good at being a bad punk kid gets admitted to the school, so he's sort of like the Harry Potter into it. It's just like a really dark, evil Harry Potter, or it's sort of like Harry Potter if it was directed by Quentin Tarantino. Not for everybody, but I enjoyed it. Um, I read the first trade. I think there's some more out there that I'm going to go try to find out. But it's also been made into a TV show, from what I understand, which I think could be also very interesting. Um, I think I had heard that, too. Yeah, everything's been made into a TV show nowadays. And, there, so. I, and I believe there's probably four, maybe five trades worth. Yeah. Uh, I just... Yeah, I mean, what I mean, what I've started doing when I travel is go to different comic shops because like comics are so varied that like different shops have different things that they've picked up on or specialized in or whatnot. And I've just I've discovered some really interesting things that way. So as I'm kind of moving around a little bit and going and doing different stuff, if I can get to a comic shop and go and say, okay, this is stuff I'm normally into. Do you have anything off the beaten path? Uh, this is one of the ones that was. This is probably more on the beaten path, but. Uh, there's also a couple other great books, and one of which we will be reading in the future that I got recommended to me from Meltdown Comics. Uh, not Meltdown, Midtown Comics. Meltdown is in L.A., Midtown is in um, New York. Uh, but, yeah, they recommended some really cool stuff, but that was one of the books that I read that I really liked that popped out um, in my head. So, and then Maya, do you have any recommendations? Uh, I do. Um, so I've been watching and really enjoying Star Trek Discovery. Um, 
And right after the first episode came out, they released uh, the first Discovery novel uh, called Desperate Measures. Um, it's by David Mack. Uh, not not the David Mack that does comics. There's a there's an author that's <laughs> David Mack. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it takes place um, a year before the show starts. It gives a, a lot of good backstory uh, into uh, Sonequa Martin Green's character Michael Burnham and uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh's character uh, Captain Giorgio, uh, and they interact with uh, the Enterprise, which is flying around at that time with Captain Pike and Spock. Um, oh, cool. So yeah, no, it's it's a it's it's a fun book, and they it does explain why uh, why there is an aesthetic difference between like the costumes or why certain things look the way they are. And I think it's just kind of cool. They, uh, I'm a sucker for a little continuity, things like that, where they, uh, you know, the show is made today and the original series was made in the 60s, so obviously it's going to look different and they kind of explain some of the st- uh, reasons why in this book. Uh, next week we are going to be reading for Veterans Day, because, oh, I, sh- I guess I should cut this at the beginning of this. For this month we are doing um, November holidays. We're trying to do, like, one book for every November holiday, and the November holiday we're doing next is Veterans Day. So we're going to do a Captain America book. We're doing Captain America White, which only came out, like, last well, year. Well, we all made it that did time. and it didn't. Uh, I'll talk about that when, okay. we, when we record that mm, Okay. Well, so <laughs> oh, and real and real quick, I want to jump back in. The, the yep. book is Desperate Hours, not Desperate Measures. Desperate Hours. Okay. Well, Mike, do you want to give us a little bit of? This is kind of your recommendation. A little bit of a preview of what Captain America White we can expect from that. Yeah. So Captain America White is uh, it's it's part of the the color series by uh, uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh, you know, they did uh, like Hulk Gray, Spider Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow. Um, it's just kind of like a almost like an origin book. Um, Except uh, it does start after he has the uh, the super soldier serum, but it's just a it's just a fun World War Two uh, American soldiers fighting Nazis. Okay, <laughs> cool. So uh, we'll have that for you next week. Um, with that, we will say thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.